Hey everybody, this is Hunter Williams. Today is going to be episode 128 of the NeuroEdge podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. The name of today's podcast is episode 128, The Coming Bifurcation. And what I mean by this is basically what appears to be a split in the nature of humanity and how humans are behaving. I think we are really coming into an age where you're seeing it might be two categories. That's what I'm basing this thesis off of. But it's really, really can be more categories than two. And so what I want to talk about today is just what the two futures that we could choose look like. And I think we are coming to an inflection point, at least it seems as such. Maybe we have our own present bias about what's going on. But I think we're coming to an inflection point of where the world is splitting and there are either going to be people, and I talk about this all the time, that are going to be victims or they're going to be sovereign. And you're going to be in control or you will likely be controlled by other people. And this isn't right or wrong or it's it's not good or bad. It's just kind of what my opinion of the future is. So I know this deviates a little bit from what I talk about a lot of times, which is habits and high performance and how to be better. But I think this is important for building a mental framework around how you make choices going into the future. And so the future is going to be very fast. It's going to be very different than the last 20, 30, 40 years that we've experienced. It's important as we go into that future to be conscious of the choices that are going to be around us. And if anything, this last 12 months, the last 12, 13, 14 months has shown us is that we will be forced to choose. We're going to be forced to choose to have to do things a certain way because of what is going on around us, because of the economy, because of socioeconomic conditions and things of that nature. So today I'm just going to break down a few different categories and what the future can look like and where we may be going in relation to those categories and why that matters and why it matters for you as a human. Because ultimately, we are one race. We are one race of people that are unified together as much as some other people would try to divide us. And in my opinion, divide and conquer. We should all come together to make sovereign choices as individuals about how we want to run our lives and how we want to control or not control, but how we want the world to distribute its resources and how we share this amazing planet that we have called Earth among ourselves and as citizens of this planet. So that's what I'm going to jump into today. Hopefully it is entertaining. Hopefully you learn something from it and hopefully you can go back into life. And if anything, what I want this podcast to be at the end of the day is a way for people to take a message away from it and use it to improve their life. And if anything, the main point of this today is just be aware of what's going on around you and don't be susceptible to manipulation, whether it's by the media, whether it's by people that you work with, whether it's by just everything and anything out there that is trying to get you to basically steal your attention and ultimately sell you something that you just take everything with a grain of salt and can actually think critically. And at the end of the day, and you'll see how I tie this all in, it's going to be about thinking critically. So anyway, that being said, as always, if you get any sort of value out of this, any sort of positive benefit whatsoever, just because everything is about algorithms now, it helps the algorithm if you leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube, wherever you're watching it. So I would really appreciate that, especially if you are listening and get some some sort of value. So that being said, let me jump on into my screen 
and we are going to talk about the coming bifurcation. So what do I mean by the bifurcation? So like I said, it's a split into the nature of humanity. And in the future, I think there's going to be two different ways of living that we will experience. Ultimately, this will be driven, I think, by the rapid pace of change we are experiencing right now on our planet. And some are going to adapt and thrive. If we look at the last year in 2020 to 2021, how many people have fallen victim to the way the economy has shaken out and how many people have actually benefited and had their best year ever. And part of that is obviously just fate. Some people may have owned a gym or a restaurant, which would have gotten shut down. And some people may have owned a software company, which like Zoom may have blown up. The point being, some will adapt and thrive. Not everyone that had success had success right off the bat. They adapted their business and their lifestyle and their circumstances to thrive. And I think at the end of the day, so some people are going to adapt and thrive and others will remove themselves and others are going to be stuck. So they're going to be stuck in this paradigm of thinking that things are bad around them. When if you ultimately open up your awareness, open up your consciousness, open up your perception of what is possible in the world and understand that we live in the infinite field of all possibility around us, you're going to be able to create the type of life that you want. And ultimately, that's the goal of this project that I'm doing with this podcast is to help people use information and education to better themselves and create the type of life they want. Now, with this, and this is just from my own reading and research, AI, artificial intelligence is going to be crucial going forward. And we're going to have to learn to live with artificial intelligence and learn how that's going to integrate into the systems that we create. And ultimately, a lot of this thinking actually came from an article I read from Ben Greenfield that he talked about on his blog this week, which was basically this idea of the digital world versus the analog world and how if we are not careful, it's easier for us to just become supplanted completely in the digital world versus the analog world, which is being around real people, having real conversations with people, doing manual things, which I think is very important, although a lot of the economy and everything today is driven by a digital nature as humans, we are still wired to do these analog things. So until we com become completely cyborg, which I hopefully doesn't happen, but maybe it will, it's important to recognize this distinction. So the last 20 years, what's happened? Well, we've had a J-curve of technological change. We've had a J-curve of socioeconomic change. We've had the integration of technology and society. If you think 20 years ago, 2001, at that point, I was eight years old and we had dial up internet and to get information from the internet, you had to sit down and it took like five minutes to dial up. You couldn't talk on the phone while you were doing it. And then you would go and it would take, you know, maybe 30 or 40 seconds for a web page to load and so on and so on. So look at that versus 20 years later. Now the internet is ubiquitous. Most people will probably spend 11, 12 hours a day, depending on their job or career or whatever it is on the internet whether that's for entertainment. And so this is happening faster than the brain can keep up. And so imagine if this has happened in the last 20 years at the pace it's gone, if that pace even stayed the same, how fast it would be, but most likely it's going to even increase. And so what I'm going to talk about today is how this split and how this change that we're going to be experiencing in the future, how it's going to affect food, how it's going to affect relationships, how it's going to affect cities and migration patterns, how it's going to affect healthcare, also very important, how it's going to affect finance, how it will affect education, which is very important, how it will affect technology, and how it will affect, at the end of the day, our thinking skills. 
And so food, and basically what I'm going to do is break down these categories into two different routes. So what does the future of food look like? Well, route one looks like this. It looks like big agriculture with GMO foods, plant-based food that is monocrop synthetic and controlled by central locations, big box stores, and restaurants. So you may be on board with that. I know for me, just because I am all about eating as natural and clean and close to ancestrally as possible, I hope that is not the future that we engage in. And what I propose for route two is localized farming in which this food is organic. We rotate crops, we sustainably harvest them, and they're not genetically modified. They're naturally produced. And then I just put all of God's creation, meaning that they are plants, animals, all things that we as humans were intended to eat. Obviously, you can get into the nuances of diet and everything, but that's just the future that I envision with food. Now, it looks like route one of big agriculture and these things is definitely dominating. And to a certain extent, I get the argument that you have to have a lot of these things to feed the amount of people that we have here on earth. But I would just like to see in my hope and goal for the future is to build more of this localized system of farming where we are closer to the food that we actually produce. We're thankful for it and it doesn't come from some place that is thousands of miles away that was sprayed with chemicals that cause damage to our bodies and damage to our brain. So that's my thoughts on food. And ultimately we will go one of two ways. One will dominate. It looks like it's in the favor of big agriculture right now, but route two with this healthier farming, that is definitely something that is coming to the forefront and a lot more people are demanding. Ultimately, a lot of these things you will see are going to be demanded by the marketplace is to what will be the winner. Next category is relationships. So I'm by no means a dating expert, anything like that. Don't claim to be. There's a lot of good people out there that can help you with that. But I see two routes in the forms of relationships in the future, and maybe these can coexist together. But route one is the digital relationship that is possibly long distance, maybe, maybe not. Uh, but what I see that is partially, you know, damaging from this is that it's there's pornography, there's a lack of communication ability, there's moving away from traditional gender roles, and they're transient. So you experience a lot of relationships in a short amount of time. And that looks like where things are going right now. If you look at trends, I hope not. And hopefully it's just this last year that we've had an anomaly where a lot of this has kind of been hoisted upon us. But what I've envisioned for Route 2 is in-person local relationships that are family-oriented based around real-world activities that involve active lifestyle choices and that embrace and embody the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Now, I'm not here to debate gender roles. This is not what this podcast is about. However, I think it is important to recognize the divine masculine and the divine feminine and cherish that in relationships that are built in the world and then furthered as we propagate the species on this planet because that's important and that's inbuilt into our actual DNA. So again, not a lot to say about relationships, but I just hope you would see the distinction between where we could be headed and make the choice of what you want. Ultimately, we will be the change that we wanna see. So next category is cities and migration patterns. And obviously having worked in real estate, I can comment on this quite extensively. But I really see two routes. So route one, and this is definitely moving this way before COVID. I think COVID has reversed a lot of this. But we have basically big urban centers with tiny housing, pollution, cramped quarters, central governmental control, exorbitant housing prices, and everything is cookie cutter. And that is obviously kind of where we're going. It's just where a lot of the economy was pushing us towards the way things were moving. But 
I think Route 2 is much more desirable for everyone. It's control of land in localized small communities that focuses on community-oriented activity. It's based around clean air and clean water and local decentralized government uh, with affordable housing where you can actually afford to live and work in the same place. And they have character and individuality. And I think that's what's cool about if you look at across states, countries, nations, all these different places, is the character that you see in unique places. That's the whole amazing part of traveling is get to experience the local culture, the local customs, the local architecture, all of the cool stuff that is out there. And I hope we can preserve that into the future rather than having kind of a mashup of everything into one consolidated type of culture. So the next category is healthcare. And so this is obviously really big, but I think we can, this is perhaps more distinct in this category. It's really two routes that healthcare can go. So route one is this idea of Western medicine, also known as sick care, where we treat the symptom. We have a blanket approach for all people. Obviously this is based around high insurance premiums, a lot of central control and basically just managing disease, accepting the fact that we have to be diseased and then just managing it from there and kind of scraping the coffers dry of all the resources people have. Route two, and obviously this is a big issue to tackle. You can't just do this with one thing, but route two, what I envision and what I would see is more individualized care. This focus on wellness rather than treating disease. Also, this would be based around small community infrastructure that emphasizes natural healing, emphasizes supplementation from natural remedies over prescription drugs. Who knows where that will go? Um, but also is integrated into the education system. And then there's an emphasis on the emotional component. And I say that because wellness and health is a total approach required. It's not something that you can just look at, oh, okay, my stomach hurts. I need to take this pill to fix it. It could be something in your emotional system that is causing the actual physical pain in your stomach. So that's what I see with healthcare. Hopefully we choose route two, but those are kind of the two avenues I see us going. Now finance, this is obviously another big topic, but route one versus route two, but route one is based around central bank fiat currency, government handouts, megalith corporations, state-sponsored control, having a large income gap between the wealthy and the poor. And then it also is focused on debt to go through the system in order to hold everything up. And then route two would be focused on decentralized currencies where they're not necessarily controlled by central banks. It would emphasize entrepreneurship and creation over just having set structures that are stuck and don't innovate. It would also be based on localized economies with less regular regulation taxation local governments and an income gap that obviously if entrepreneurship is encouraged, encourages upward mobility and is also focused on allowing people to own assets rather than using debt to, I don't want to say keep people in control, but basically focused on helping people acquire assets to their life rather than keeping them in a cycle of debt slavery where they are constantly working to pay off the next cycle of debt that they're incurring. They can actually have excess labor or excess capital from the result of their labor to acquire assets. The next one is going to be education. So I see two routes with this, and this has definitely been affected in the last year, but route one is just state controlled education that basically prepares people to think in the way that you would work on an industrial assembly line. There's not really any critical thinking involved. There's 
basically, again, a preparation for corporatocracy and working in a corporation. And there's one viewpoint of history and weakening of the individuality and expression of each individuality. And especially when you're a child, because children are so unique and so creative that a lot of that gets squashed through our education system. So what I would hope to see, and you definitely see this emerging, so you're kind of seeing these different futures battling it out right now, but education that is locally controlled. So there's no set global agenda. It's family first. It's thinking about both sides of issues and it proposes alternative views on history instead of one set way. There's encouragement for debate regardless of what side you're on and it encourages movement over being stagnant. So actually getting to move around rather than sitting at a desk all day. I know that's kind of a side note, but uh, also the integration of life skills into the analog world. So rather than solely prepping you for digital life skills, it also merges digital life skills with analog skills. Because I think that's important and something that has been lost in the last 40 or 50 years of the education system. Technology. So obviously this is a big one. So route one with technology, and we've seen this in the last 20 years, there has been a merging of central control around technology, which has created the technocracy. Basically, people are connected to the internet 24-7. Algorithms give you exactly what you want to see. Everything is connected to the internet of things. And when this happens, we actually aren't as good as at remembering things because we become dependent on technology. It's not good or bad. It's just what it is. But I think what happens is this reduces creativity and it causes us to become a sedentary bystander and victim to these algorithms and things that control us. And we just become a consumer. Now, Technology is just the tool. So route two would be humanity over AI. So using to using AI to actually integrate to allow us to experience humanity at a higher level rather than letting it decide and control the outcomes of things that we do. There should be a time for connection and disconnection. So right now we are, and I'm myself included, we get hooked on this dopamine dump of technology and we're stuck on it all day, whether it's through work or our entertainment. And uh, it causes us to become dependent on algorithms. And so we want independence from these algorithms. We want the ability to think and use our own imagination, which you can only do when you're unplugged from technology. And we want to use the technology to actually bring us closer to the analog world. So how do we create technologies that bring us into the analog world instead of taking us out and removing it? And then also the removal of technology from entertainment. So entertainment and technology are so intertwined now. And you just become dependent and basically, again, sucked into being a consumer rather than a creator, which technology is great because it allows you to create things. And obviously, there's millions of people that are using it for good. So I like that. And then lastly, we have thinking skills. So what is the future of people's ability to think? Well, route one, there would be no free will. There's one method of thinking, which is just to obey what the power structure and power structure instructs you to. There's no outside paradigm, there's no ability to memorize, and there's no ability to connect data points. Now, what would Route 2 be? Well, I think at the end of the day, it comes the, down to the ability to understand cognitive dissonance, so to have two warring ideas in your head and understand that things are not black and white. We're not beholden to one viewpoint, so we're able to be flexible based on the data we see. The future is going to be all about data, and we really need to be flexible on the data that we see, unlike any humans in the past have been. And I call this data discernment. So being able to understand data and then use it to make real world decisions that benefit the future of humanity. And also we have free will. So are you a sovereign individual? And ultimately that's what all of this comes down to. Are you going to be sovereign and in control of your life? 
And we want to always question the power structure regardless. I'm not talking political or anything like that. Just whoever is in power, do we have the ability to question it or are we under their control? And then ultimately too, I think the most important thing is to avoid the herd mentality because that's going to be something that can be extremely damaging to our thinking skills and our ability to question and do things. And if you look at some of the greatest thought leaders throughout history, they all kind of went against this, against this herd mentality. So I think that's really important. But I had a quote here. Obviously, all of this is pontification on my part. Niels Bohr was a physicist, and he said, prediction is very difficult, especially if it's about the future. So just keep that in mind. Obviously, take this, like I say, with a grain of salt, everything that I'm talking about. But I think it's important to think about these topics. And if you don't really think about these topics, just know that they're there and be aware of them and understand that these are going to be complex things that we have to deal with in the future, especially as the next generation comes up and we start to be the ones that are deciding what civilization does with the resources and the communication networks that we have as human beings. So that is it for today. Hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully made sense. Hopefully you got something out of it. And like I said, at the end of the day, what's the takeaway? Let's just become more of a critical thinker and be able to think about these topics and think about where we're going as a species, because obviously we all want the best. I think most people at the end of the day want the best for the human race. It's just about deciding how we get there. So thank you again. Always, always don't forget, leave a review, all that good stuff. And I will talk to you guys next time. Peace.